And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Screw Heat Podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. Uh, that voice you're hearing is one of Hot Take Harry's. Uh, LJ's not able to join us today, so I'm hosting. This is going to be a great time. I'm super excited. Um, and we'll just go around the horn real quick. Uh, we got Alex Alex Sheltman here. Uh, thanks for being here, Alex. And we have uh, we have Royal A. Shepherd here as well. And uh, we also have our special guests. I've been trying to get them for a while. We got them. Um, this is Will Manso, Channel 10 News. Uh, Will is one of the best people in Miami sports by far. Will, I hope you know that. You are, you're the man. Thank you. I appreciate um, that. And uh, I think everyone just feels like a sense of relief whenever you get on the air. They're like, all right, Will's going to talk to us. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and you usually deliver a pretty, a pretty positive message. So obviously the Heat pulled off. Uh, a huge victory on Sunday, 111-108 uh, mm -hmm. against the Nuggets in Denver, where they have not won since 2016. Um, what were your thoughts, obviously, watching the game, being at the game, mm -hmm. being around the team, and then kind of seeing how they're transitioning into games three and four coming back to Miami? Well, I mean, like everything with this team, right, it's always dramatic. It's always emotions. It's never easy. And I guess it's just the way this team is going to do things. If they're going to win an NBA Finals, they're going to do it the hardest way possible. But I thought game two, we saw a lot of what, you know, we were hoping to see. They shot the three well. They went to the approach where, where Jokic was still big, but he wasn't facilitating, and it made a big difference. And, you know, whatever you want to call it, letting Jokic score or concentrating on him and others now, whatever the case may be, the point is the formula worked. And for them to come back to, I mean, another double-digit deficit, down eight going then into the fourth. I mean, all the things we've seen about this team that nothing in the regular season told us they could figure out, and they've somehow figured it out in the playoffs. So relief, excitement coming back home for three and four, knowing they've got this series right there with the home court, uh, especially at home where they normally play well. And Will, did you see the stat that they that they showed that basically in the playoffs this year the Heat have won um, four out of the nine games in which they've been trailing by eight or more going into the fourth quarter, and the rest of the field is like one in forty something. It's crazy, man! It's crazy. I don't I don't know how they do it because I mean, look, we we all cover the Heat, follow the Heat, fans of the Heat, whatever the case may be. And all year we saw a team that didn't have, you know, they found these close games. They kept saying that we could play these close games. This is going to help us. But they were losing a lot of games. So we were kind of like, well, I mean, what does that really help you, right? But somehow, whatever that experience they had is paying off because they're down 10 guys. And honestly, they don't skip a beat. Like where most people would be like, oh, my God, it's 10 in the fourth against a good team. They're done. They're like, hey, let's turn it on. Let's get this done. And they find a way. And maybe it is the formula of the season. But yeah, it's, it's a special team the way they keep winning like this. That's what I thought it was interesting too, Will, is that the you know the whole year, you know, um, Spoh's talking about the beauty and the struggle and all these new Spoisms that he comes up with every year. And you're kind of like, he's he's full of crap, man. Like there's just there's no there's no beauty, there's no beauty in being a playing team. There's no beauty in losing the first game and you know, arguably having what we all thought was a tougher matchup, you know, going up mm -hmm. to Milwaukee. But um, it seems like maybe there was a, a decent amount of truth in what he was trying to convey. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I think uh, uh, Coop Moorhead, who, who from uh, he covers the Heat for NBA. Yeah, that's a great job. Yeah. Uh, he was saying that was the Heat's 44th uh, clutch game against Denver in game two, and that ties the record in an NBA season. Yeah. So, 
I mean, is that kind of like, is that really the formula we're working with now? Like keep the game close. We have, we basically trust our guys to pull out a close game regardless of where they're playing and kind of let it go. However that ends up. I mean, put it this way. Uh, game three, I think, is game 105 on the season for Miami. When you've got the regular season playing in the playoffs, 105 games of stress. And look, the gray hair that I have here, I don't know what the struggle and Spo's talking about it, the enjoyment of it. I'm not enjoying that, but I'm enjoying these playoffs. But I think to, to your point on Spo and the way this team plays, you know, what Coop wrote about is that this team bought into Spo. A lot of people would roll their eyes. I think we maybe did too hearing Spo. I love Spo and I respect him. I think he's the best coach in the NBA. But there were times where he'd say that message and it was in one ear, not the other to me. Cause I'm like, man, I'm sorry, man. I believe in results. I don't care about the process as much because the results are what matter. And as an eighth seed and barely making the playoffs, you're not going to get to the finals. Well, jokes on me, jokes on us, whatever he was trying to get through them through those struggles has paid off and they bought into it. Maybe we did it, but they did. And they're playing like that team. So there is a beauty in it. It's true. When you get to the finals, it's not beautiful at all when you're down five, five minutes to go in the second playing game looking at the end of your season. And what are your uh, – well, I'm interested because I think you've probably been around the players more than, more than most as you're traveling back and forth between, mm-hmm. all, uh, between everywhere they're playing. Um, what are your thoughts on the impact that Kevin Love has had on the locker room? You know, there was a mm-hmm. moment – I don't know if you saw this because obviously you're watching the game live, but um, – Kevin Love missed Gabe Vincent in the corner for a wide open three at some point in the game. And he went over to him and like gave him this huge hug. And it was so like such a big gesture that uh, Jeff Van Gundy was actually making fun of it on the air. And you're kind of like, yeah, this guy's a jerk. Um, Obviously like there are different ways in which you can express emotion and being a good teammate, but like, that's how he does it. Right. He made, he made what he thought was not the best play and he went over and apologized to Gabe and they hugged it out. And, um, you know, do you think that's because I think Kevin Love changed the direction of the season? Um, yeah, he was a big part of it. He was a big part of it. Yeah, and it's not just the play, obviously, because they were hoping to slot in a guy at the four, which they were looking for all season. But simply, like, you have another veteran in the locker room who's again. These are funny stats, but like, um, Kevin Love has always been to the finals every time he makes the playoffs. He's he's <laughs> never he's never made the playoffs without playing in the finals, um, and he is another champion that they added to the locker room. And I'm just wondering if like, have you noticed, is there a difference between earlier in the season and when he came on or just -hmm. something you noticed in the postseason? Well, you know, it's funny, this team, despite the struggles had been pretty close throughout. And I always preface it when I say close, because people think that when you say a team is close, that maybe that, Hey, they're having beers after the game and they hang out, you know, and and all these things. It's, it's really about what's in the locker room. You know, that's why when people talk about Jimmy and the Jimmy's like, well, he's with his guys and he's always like over there and over here and he doesn't really stay with the team or do this. All that stuff doesn't matter. These guys have their space away from basketball that they're allowed to use for family, for friends, for downtime. But when they're together, you see it. And Kevin Love has been a big part of that. Kevin came in and was seamless. You know, he it, look, he comes with a great resume. You mentioned the, the finals he's been through. Obviously, he was a premier player in the league for a long time statistically. He's not that guy anymore, but I think the respect level is there that when Kevin Love walks in and speaks – there's a, a true respect and understanding that this guy's going to help me be better and this team be better. But I think beyond that, the dynamics of the locker room, man, he's always smiling. He's always joking. He's, he's great with the media. Not that that matters to a team per se, but he's great with the media, great with the staff, with the heat. And he is a great teammate. So I do think a lot changed. I think those are the kind of guys you want to bring in. You don't want to bring in a guy to disrupt whatever rhythm or, you know, camaraderie you have. Kevin was right in there. And he is, uh, to your point, he's been a big part of it. 
and I think it's to every guy. They all genuinely get along somehow. It doesn't mean they all, you know, I, I don't, I, I say it again, it doesn't mean they all like each other in the sense that they're all going out afterwards, that they all hang out in their personal lives. But in that space, they really are play off each other, ideal for each other from a, not just a basketball part, but the mental side of it in the locker room and, and getting along day to day. Yeah, so one thing, Will, I wanted to ask was, um, you know, we you alluded to it a little bit earlier, and and we heard it in that press conference that sort of got some buzz on social media, um, was turning Jokic into a scorer for the rest of the series. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you, and you see comments from, you know, Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, uh, I believe Mike Brown also mentioned, you know, something related to how they dealt with the Nuggets last year. Um, do you think there is a little bit of gamesmanship with Spo when he mentioned that untrained eye comment? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily want to put all his cards on the table because to me, you see some of these numbers behind um, the Nuggets record when Jokic isn't being that primary distributor within the offense. And ultimately, it does result in, you know, a worse win-loss record. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. If you thought maybe Spo just didn't want to reveal everything and, and just sort of playing with the media a little bit there. I, I think the, the thing with Spo is Spo is so off the cuff in his emotion where he doesn't like narratives. Spo hates narratives. Like I'm covering Spo long enough now that he hates questions that are narrative-based. He likes questions that are, you know, statistically based or a story of a game as far as actual, like, you know, a possession but not a narrative. And that falls into a narrative that he doesn't want to play with. And that's just more Spo being Spo. I think the reality is that you could say it in two different ways. You know, they're not trying to let Nikola Jokic score. Like that's a narrative that's supposed to, what are you talking about? Is MVP or what are you dumb? But I don't want him to score. I don't want him to dominate, but you can say that. And also say that as your point, they are trying to make sure that he doesn't facilitate and to do that, that means you're going to probably have to have him one-on-one. And then if you have him one-on-one, the chances are he's going to beat whatever man's in front of you. So when you start going down that, that rabbit hole of the way things progress, yeah, they sort of are saying Jokic can beat us, so to speak, but other guys can't. But I think Spo gets a little pushed back because he's like, I don't want Jokic to beat us. I don't want anybody to beat us. I don't want Jokic to score. I don't want anybody to score. So he, it's, it really is it really is kind of the translation of what you figure it out and the semantics of it. But the bottom line is I think we all saw it. They are allowing Jokic to get his because he normally gets twos. And when he gets twos, that means he's not getting threes, which means others aren't getting threes. And when he's not passing, that means others aren't getting threes. And when the Heat are hitting, th- hitting threes, do the math. Three is more than two. Miami's going to be in good position to win the basketball game, even if Jokic does score 40, 45 points. Uh, so, Will, so I, I saw a poll on Twitter, uh, and it's kind of a bit of a pivot from what we're talking about, but um, they were talking about potential finals MVPs already. Uh, I know it's way too <laughs> early, but if you had to take a stab at it for who Miami's finals MVP would be right now, I know I saw some votes for Jimmy, some for Gabe, and some for Bam. If you had to take a stab at it so far in this series, who would be your finals MVP? Bam. And mine would be Bam through two games because I know game one was a little weird because he had a lot of, you know, he took a lot of shots. A lot of that was on tip in tries and put back tries that he missed. Uh, but I think with Bam and Spo alluded to it after game two, I posted a clip on, a, on my Twitter. I think you guys heard it. Uh, Spo said, I, I don't think anybody really understands how much Bam is doing this series because it, it's like he's the sacrificial lamb, so to speak, when it comes to covering, you know, covering Jokic in big spots. And man, just watching Bam get banged around alone by Jokic down the post. Jokic plays like a wild horse. I mean, he's just sitting there just jumping around, and he's huge. And he, and to Bam to take that, right, 
have the energy to still play defense on others when needed, have the energy to hit that little mid-range, putbacks, slams, play some offense, obviously set the offense at the top of the key at times, and still have the energy to do all that and put up production, 26-13, and 21-9. Uh, again, defense, energy. And he almost has to take the hits and take the fall, so to speak, for dealing with Jokic while it benefits the team, while it doesn't statistically help him, right? So to me, he's been the most valuable player through two games. And I, and I think the Heat feel that way too, by the way, because they know how important he is on both sides. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I think um, – I don't really think there's been a better player on the court for the Heat. Um, and I think a lot of what Spo took exception to with the comments from, you know, the question he got in the press conference was like, you know, both teams are working extremely hard out there. No one is letting anyone score. No, no, no one is – That's it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where, like, he, he, this literally the last question. He was he was trying to get out of there and probably three questions. Go, three questions he was yeah. trying to get out. He wanted yeah. to get the hell out of there. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think that's kind of what it is. That's why he was talking about like, you know, the counters and you know the actions that the other teams are running. Like, we're not letting Jokic score. I think the goal is really to make Jokic work. You know, I think 100%. that's kind of what they want from him. And if they can, you know, if he's going to score forty, so be it. But he's going to work his butt off to make you know to get those shots. And I think that's where. Um, they have a chance to win more games if they do that. So yeah, yeah, and I think also too. Look, you, to your point, you know, when Jokic gets in the post, he's having some opportunities. But man, to get there, they're making it tough. They're bringing guys at the front of the court while he's ball handling to try to stop him, slow him down. Uh, he's having to make moves, having to work. Through. I mean, there are a couple of possessions where he's literally like a freight train running through, banging through four guys like a pinball machine. You know, I mean, they're not going to make it easy. So. That's the bottom line with Spo. I, I don't you know, and look, he apologized. I, I didn't think he had to. I mean, it's just Spo being Spo. Basketball coaches don't like to be told they're letting the other team do anything. So their job is to not let the team do something, the other team. So I think that's just a, what it works out to. Well, I I know Will you have to get out of here. So we, you know, we obviously really appreciate your time and coming on with us and making this work. And I know we've been trying through different cities and, and everything else. Oh, yeah. so. So uh, we appreciate you. Thank, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep watching you, and uh, you know, hope hope we can pull out three more wins. That's what we're yeah, man. Three, three more wins. Hopefully, we have a nice long uh, celebration pod. We can chat for a while. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. All right, let us know, and um, you know, we'll we'll talk to you soon, and and enjoy Miami, and then enjoy safe travels back to Denver. One more day. You got it, guys. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good one. All right. All right, guys. Well, I think if, if you guys are okay, we'll just go on for a few more minutes just kind of discussing. We got a good 15 minutes from Will. And, um, you know, I think we talked a lot about it yesterday, but I think we want to um, – I don't know. What are you guys – what are you thinking going forward? Obviously, Spo made the big, um, the big change putting Love back in the lineup, which kind of allowed Jimmy to go on uh, Murray. And I think that really helped in game two. Are you kind of expecting the same stuff? What do you think – are going to be counters from Denver in games three and four. Yeah, I think you're going to see more of the same. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to the other end of the pod yet, but, um, you know, I, I think the biggest game three thing is obviously the Tyler Hero question, and I'm sure you guys talked about that in some fashion, um, but it, it really does speak to how you have to, you know, manage this extended lineup where Spo is already playing 10 guys on the court, um, and in the playoffs, you usually see eight at the most, maybe a ninth guy if someone is completely off their game or someone gets hurt. Um, but now, you know, you're going to have to likely shrink that 10 down to eight and then also add Tyler Hero back in. So it creates this, 
you know, potential log jam of players um, where, where Spoh's going to have to either, you know, decide if he wants to ride the hot hand in Max or Duncan if they have it that game or if he wants to, you know, mix things up with Tyler and change sort of the d- dichotomy of the team and add in that potential higher ceiling, but also a lower floor to potentially ruin some chemistry. Um, and then there's things like, you know, is Caleb going to continue this three points per game thing or is he going to return to something of, of a semblance of what he was during the Celtics series? And so, you know, I, I don't envy the position that Spo is in now as a coach because it's it feels like he in some way, shape or form is setting himself up to lose um, regardless of the result, unless they win. So if they win, it doesn't really matter what the choices he makes are. But if they lose, it feels like any of the decision he chooses is going to come back on him in a negative light. Yeah, I think so- for me, I think for me, the biggest adjustment that they need to make in the game, uh, well, I think that they're going to make, not that they need to make, I think they're going to end up playing a, a whole lot less zone than they did um, in the first game, just to kind of switch up the looks that they had on Denver. It was effective in game two, but I don't think it'll be as effective for like the Denver team for Miami to play zone as extensively as they did before. So I, I do envision Miami playing a whole lot less zone defensively, offensively. Um, I think the adjustment is with the players and not necessarily with the schematics of it. So Jimmy Butler being more aggressive or looking to attack the rim a bit more is kind of where I'm looking for Jimmy. Um, and Bam, to continue kind of doing what he did. I know in the first game, he spent more time shooting than he did uh, passing. And then in the second game, he had a more well-rounded game offensively. But I think um, it's, it's more important for Jimmy to get going, attacking the rim, than it is for, like, the rest of – like any of the other adjustments that need to be made on offense. But I think defensively, the only adjustment is going to be play less zone, play more man-to-man, and uh, offense try to get Jimmy going a little bit more aggressively towards the rim. Yeah, so my thoughts about what you guys are kind of saying is, so I've come all the way around on Hero. I basically was very scared that he'd come back and ruin the momentum of the team. And now I'm kind of thinking, um, you know, I'm kind of thinking that uh, Hero's not coming back at all. I think the fact that it was leaked by the national media that he might be coming back in games three is simply his agent just trying to, you know, get his client out there and, and, you know, Hey, don't forget about Tyler hero. He just signed this big contract. Um, I don't think he's coming back. I think he realizes that he could be a detriment to the team. And if he's having, we briefly discussed this yesterday on the pod, but if he's having soreness and swelling after taking some jumpers, that's not ideal for um, playing finals basketball. That's not ideal for playoff basketball. And you know the other team. If they know you have a weakness, they're going to take advantage of it. They will be slapping that guy's hand uh, all up and down the court. There's just and that's that's just smart basketball. I, I think that's knowing that your opponent has a weakness and taking advantage of it. I, I don't I don't believe he's playing at all. I think he's a, a breaking case of emergency kind of guy, and um, he would simply be uh, insurance for the team. I'm not sure if I entirely agree with that, Harry. Like, um, I do think that the games have been close enough or well game two was close enough with Miami playing kind of his best ball of the series so far where they would absolutely consider bringing Tyler Hero back like they're lows in the offense consistently and I think that that spark will be like a, a, a different injection of life into this scene uh, that they've kind of been using throughout the course of the playoffs in order to find themselves in position to win games so I do think that they're going to find a way to bring Tyler Hero back even if, even though they won game two and it's not necessarily um, 
it's, it's not mandatory that they bring him back, but I do think that they would try and find a way to get him back and make him a part of what's going on. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I kind of hope you're wrong. <laughs> I just, I don't really. I hope uh, I'm wrong, Harry. Yeah, I, I don't really, like, I understand what he can do. I understand that the way that, that Denver plays, the defense, the, the drop they kind of play is ideal for a player of Tyler Hero's caliber who's kind of good in the mid-range, and that's kind of something that the Heat are kind of missing right now. It's been all three-pointers and whatever they can get at the basket and, uh, you know, whatever Bam feels comfortable shooting from the mid-range, that's kind of been their offense. Um you know, I think what we've been talking about a lot in the series and everything that people keep saying about this whole run is essentially, yeah, the Heat can't keep shooting like this. The Heat can't keep doing that. Like, you know, they're on pace right now to to be the greatest three-point postseason team of all time. Um, they have three guys who are shooting better clips than the Warriors did with KD, Steph, and Clay, And they only need to do it three more times. It's not like... You know, people are talking about it as if it needs to be a consistent thing through as if this was the regular season. It's three more wins. That's all they need. So, you know, is it likely? I don't know. Is it possible? Of course. And the fact that they've been able to do it after what was, I think for most of us, like one of the most um, annoying and frustrating 84-game regular seasons um, is pretty wild. And the other part that's crazy about this finals is that we haven't had playoff Jimmy in a really long time now. He's been okay, and I guess you could you could probably argue he's been good, especially because he really brings it on the defensive side of the ball. But the offense has been all over the place. He's missing a ton of shots. Uh, he'll get into the paint, and he'll kind of – whether he doesn't trust the lift or he doesn't trust himself, and he's kind of kicking it out. Um, and this was a guy in the Milwaukee series who um, – you know, people wanted to say that was one of the greatest performances ever in a playoff series. His 56 points in the game four against Milwaukee um, was one of the greatest individual playoff performances you will ever watch. And so the fact that we really haven't gotten anything close to that guy since, um, you know, Josh Hart basically flopped into his leg is just kind of wild that the Heat are here. And I think that, um, I think you just keep rolling with what you have. If you end up losing, I don't think there's any shame in losing to this Denver team. They're a very, very good team, good coach, and arguably the best player or one of the best players in basketball right now. He probably should have been the three-time MVP. And it is what it is. But I, I think I think bringing in someone who had been such a big part of the offense and who hasn't been there for a month with an injury that – is causing him pain after. I just don't, you know, I'm kind of hoping that this is, we can talk about this after the series ends, but I'm kind of hoping that that was Hero's last game in a Heat uniform and we can all move on and be fine. So I'll jump in here before Alex gets in here. Like, I agree that there is no shame in losing to this Denver team, but what we don't want to go into the next season saying is that we didn't exhaust all of our options uh, in this series. And I think that will be the primary reason for bringing Tyler Hero back. You don't want to be on the brink of losing the series and then have one of your better scores like available because at this point, like there are questions about whether or not he'd be available for game two. I'm pretty sure that at game three, at the time of game three, like he's going to be even closer. So it's like, you don't want to say that he's he was available and we didn't use him and we ended up losing the series and so I don't want to go into next season like saying what if with Tyler Hero. 
But I do agree that I, I, I hope that that Milwaukee game was his last game in the Heat uniform, and we don't require his services uh, in order to win this championship. Yeah, for me with Tyler, I I lean with Royal on this a little bit, where I do I do like the idea of exhausting all of your options. Um, I think if Tyler's hand is swelling and he's experiencing pain at this point, post you know surgery and recovery time. Um, you'd have to think that he's at least another two to four weeks away from that being like fully completely healed and he is back to normal. Um, If he can play now, like do not hold him until an elimination game, play him in game three, see what he can do for you. If it's not good, that hand's not going to change from now to the end of the series. So you'll find out earlier rather than later, if that emergency button, um, when you push it, if it's, not working you can always pivot back to max Struess or caleb martin or duncan or whoever has it going that night um but in regards to you know the the three-point shooting and everything it is kind of crazy to think that this team um went from i believe they were 29th in the regular season three-point shooting to now like the literal greatest playoff three-point run ever um which is just absolutely it's fucking insane, insane. that's what it yeah. is it's it, it, it is crazy to comprehend that that is where we are at given the season that we had um and i did you know i did tweet out um at one point in regards to finishing up the last three games here like you'd have to think you're getting at least one more jimmy game like over the next five games you would think we'll get one jimmy game uh, he doesn't have to be you know what he was in the milwaukee series but can he put it together for a single game? I think so. And, and so the, the only concern with that for me is like, uh, same thing. Denver, you're going to probably get a Michael Porter Jr. game. You're probably going to get a Jamal Murray game. The thing for me is when do these three items overlap with each other? And when they, it, you know, if they overlap, do we win when they overlap? And for me, you know, that's the, that's the key thing is... If you get the Jimmy Butler game when the Michael Porter Jr. game happens and you win that, it's going to feel like a stab in the heart to the Nuggets because Michael Porter Jr. has been awful to this point. And so if he comes out and drops a 30-piece and they lose, that is going to be very demoralizing for their prospects of winning the series, Um, especially if he does it in Miami and they're trying to steal one back. Uh, And, and, you know, if, if they can just manage to keep the consistency going which has not been something they've been able to do for the entire regular season but they've been able to string it together for this 20 game playoff run for three more wins then you are looking at debatably the greatest championship run of all time like not an exaggeration not biased the greatest championship run of all time so alex i think the one thing that i would disagree with you with is i need more than one jimmy game i need three like, I need three Jimmy games at this point. We're three wins away from a championship. We have allowed Jimmy Butler to kind of get carried in others. Like, in that Boston series, he was essentially carried by the role players, uh, Caleb Martin in particular. And Caleb Martin has earned the right to – I don't want to say he's earned the right not to show up. But in essence, like, he's earned the right to be carried to a championship. He's done the job that we've asked of him. Gabe Vincent has done the job and more – than we've asked of him. At this point, it is Jimmy's turn to kind of carry this team through the rest of the Jimmy and Bam. I'll put it on both of them equally. Like, 
I I can't deal with one Jimmy game. I need three of them so that I can have a championship this season. I deserve a championship from this season. I do not care about what the Miami Heat think that they deserve or how they feel about it. After watching 84 games, you said, yeah, 84 games of this season, I, me, Royal A. Shepard, I deserve a championship. So um, I, I'm, I need Jimmy to get his ass in gear, and he needs to carry us to at least two of these wins and be a heavy contributor to a third win. Like, I, I, can't, I can't sit up here and just let Jimmy get off the hook with one, with one game. Yeah, I, I think – I get what you're saying, and, I, you know, I just – Again, my thing in basketball with this team is like I just kind of temper expectations a lot. I don't, I haven't seen that Jimmy for a while. Uh, you know, he he can channel it a bit in the fourth. He did it in Game Six to bring the Heat back uh, after having an absolutely horrendous game. Uh, he wasn't really doing that well in Game Two against Denver, and he had, I believe, he had eight points in the fourth quarter and and just like really brought that one home as well. And the Heat uh, stretched the lead out to twelve before it was a little dicey at the end, but. Um, yeah, I'm just not expecting it. I mean, it would be nice, but I think it's, I think for the Heat, it's cool that they've had other guys who pick up the slack and have kind of, um, you know, been insurance for the Heat if uh, if Jimmy hasn't been there. And speaking of insurance, guys, the primary sponsor of the basement, Simple Health Advisors. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated. Uh, you know, email James Pugh or give him a call. Uh, the email is jpouth at simplehealthadvisors.com, or you can reach him via telephone, 321 321- Three four five seven seven three eight. James is the best. Please call him if you have any uh, healthcare needs. Um, guys, I think I'm gonna. I think I want to wrap it up here a little bit, just because we. I was up at midnight doing doing a pod last night, and I, I you know I haven't slept in days. Um, so let's talk about like your feelings going in. We can do we can we can do both games, both home games. How are you feeling? Uh, Miami's gonna come out of three and four. Obviously, you know. Royal and I are going to be in the building for three. Uh, we're going to be the loudest people out there, and uh, no one's going to no one's going to be able to hear themselves think. But how are you guys feeling for these games? What are your thoughts, and uh, how do you think it ends up? We can just go around, Alex. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm a little bit more concerned about Game Three, honestly. Um, I, I think you know the the pivot from the altitude in Denver. I, I know people don't want to like say that that's really a thing, and I know the Heat won't say that that's a thing. But you know, by by all accounts, it it does something to the human body. So I think um, there's going to be some lingering effects from that when they get back to Miami, and they won't necessarily be back to normal functioning as a human, I guess. Um, but game four, when that rolls around, and 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 I don't think they they will lose game three by any means. I think they will be competitive. Um, but game four, I feel much more confident about just because they're going to be on the one day of rest. Uh, and the Nuggets haven't done that in a while. And I watch Jokic in the fourth quarter, and that dude is sucking air for every ounce that he can possibly get into his lungs. He, you know, he is a fantastic basketball player, but he is not in the peak shape of his life. And I don't know if if that's something he plans on ever doing. Um, but if he does, that will be a scary day. But that's a, that's a conversation for another time. But I like their chances more in game four than game three. I don't think necessarily game three is a scheduled loss or anything. Um, but but I could see them winning both. And I could also see, you know, a one one split. I think it's pretty unlikely that they go down O2. Um, and before I throw it to Royal, I just got to give like a little bit of flower praise to Bam here. Um, he, he's been incredible this series. 
And one thing that people are going to lose in the entire conversation of this series, I think, is the fact that Jokic has been like averaging 39 or something. Um, this series so far, when Bam is the primary defender on Jokic through two games, Jokic is shooting 12 of 23 for 52%. Um, all other defenders, Jokic is shooting 12 of 17 for 70%. And Jokic's regular season field goal percentage was 63%. So Bam is slowing him down. He is not anywhere near the player he is versus other people that are guarding him. And he is not anywhere near that 63% regular season mark. Um, but yeah, I'll throw it over to Royal now. Yeah, Shelton, I hear all of your concerns and they are valid, but I don't give a shit about none of them. The Heat about to blow that shit out. Fuck is you talking about? Game three, the Heat better win the game because I'm about to be in the building. If they don't, then there will be major consequences, uh, i.e. me going to jail um, because I will be on the court. <laughs> but um, overall, I just think Miami has figured out that formula. And to be honest with you, through the first two games, they played to it. I've, I've always maintained the idea that if they can keep um, Denver under 120, then they give themselves the uh, the best shot to win this game. You don't want to try and outscore Denver. You want to try and make Denver beat you by scoring less than 110 points. And both games, Miami's held Denver to 108. And so I think that they're employing the best possible formula for themselves. Just the difference between game one and game two was that they hit shots um, in game two and they didn't do it in game one. So when they're coming back home, I envision Miami hitting more shots, the role players being more comfortable. I expect bigger games from Caleb Martin. Um, I expect uh, similar performances from Max Drews. Duncan Robinson has been phenomenal. Um, and I expect him to continue that kind of play, even though that be much to Harry Chagrin. Um, but I also expect the rejuvenation of, like, just adding Tyler Hero back. I do think that they're going to make him come back. I do think that that's going to be a shot in the arm for not only this team, but for the fan base in general. I think they take both of the games and they hand back to Denver with a 3-1 lead. So, um, for all the same reasons, essentially, about game four that you mentioned. Like, I think game four is the game that I'm most comfortable about them winning. I just have a whole lot of faith about them winning game three because of the way they played throughout the first two games and the fact that I'm going to be in the building makes a major difference in my mind um, because if they don't win that game, then I'll be in prison. So, uh, yeah, that's those are, my final, those are my thoughts on those next two games, and I guess I'll let Harry close us out. Um, okay, first of all, I just want to say this. I need this on the record. So, like, I have no issues when Duncan Robinson plays well. I'm not rooting on his demise. I, I disagree. Okay, well, that's fine, and you'd be wrong, and people have been wrong about me my whole life, so let's just – you can add on to the tally. I don't understand – like, my whole thing was that no, that guy did not deserve the contract he got. Sorry, that he should not have paid the contract that he received, and he was stinky. I mean, straight up, that's the only he – was, he was horrible. He had no confidence. He, he stopped podcasting because he couldn't even – he couldn't even talk about how bad it was anymore. And so that guy – I was frustrated with the way he played. If Duncan Robinson is going to single-handedly go on a 10-0 run in the fourth quarter to win the Heat a finals game, like, man, I'll, I'll be happy to say all these nice things about Duncan Robinson. That was incredible. Um, I hope he keeps it up. He's basically doing everything I like from a player, which is hitting the threes and taking the layups. So good on Duncan. He won that game for them in game two. They don't win that game without Duncan. Uh, so that's it. I don't want to hear this crap anymore. In terms of the games three and four, um, I also agree with the Royal. I, I mean, if I'm going to be in the arena and I'm going to, you know, get my butt down there early and spend my whole night down there, I mean, they have to win. So I'm thinking they win three. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to win both. I kind of, you know, a split could be very likely. Denver is a good team. I don't want to uh, count, you know, count the chickens before they hatch. But 
let's see what happens. I think the Heat are playing well. Hopefully the shooters have some confidence winning in Denver and then coming back home um, to a place that they're going to play in front of uh, one of the loudest arenas in, arenas in sports. I don't care what anyone says. Miami is a great sports town. We just simply have to win. It's very simple, and most towns should be like that. Why would you want to go to a game if you're going to watch your team get absolutely mollywhopped by the other team? That's a stupid waste of money, and you should probably support your family a little more if you're making bad decisions like that. Um, anyway, I hope everyone uh, has a wonderful Tuesday. Um, this has been a great pod. We really, really appreciate getting Will on for you know uh, the amount of time that we could, and um, you know, hopefully, like you said, hopefully we'll be able to get him on again because Will is a great guest. He's very knowledgeable about the Heat, and he's just he's a he's a good guy, and he's always uh, great to talk Heat with. So, um, on that note, hope everyone has a wonderful day, um, and as always. Be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.